Welcome to the pod. My name is Paige. And I'm Emily. And honestly, we're both just shaking our heads. Because every chapter of this book is worse than the last. And you're listening to Tuesdays Are for Twilight. What's up, Paige? Happy International Women's Day. What's good? So many things are good. You know, I thought my mom was dead this morning. As it turns out, I was just overreacting. Um, so that's really great news for me. Um, I see your new Squishmallow in the background. I was just going to say, so I hope this makes our listeners' little hearts happy. Paige surprised me a few days ago um, by literally just showing up at my door. (laughs) And as a reminder, we do not live in the same town, so we don't get to see each other in person very often. And yeah, she, she came bearing gifts which was crazy. She bought me a Squishmallow named Eloise. She's a cat and she's purple and blue and pink rainbow. And she brought me felt posters to color, which friend of the pod Caroline also got me. So I have so much coloring that I'm excited to do. And yeah, we just had fun. It was a grand old time. It was many months in the making. Uh, Other boyfriend of the pod, Jacob, and I had been planning it since, honestly, since like the beginning of December. And then it got canceled, or not canceled, but rescheduled two times. So, and ended up being in February. So it was fun. Or I guess March. (laughs) March, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say it was literally March. But it was so worth it. The second rescheduling was in February. The third was in March. (laughs) I like it because then it kind of, I got to spread my joy a little bit. Because I'm not complaining, but I do get all my presents within a two-day span every year. Because my birthday's two days after Christmas. So it was nice to be like, Christmas in March. My birthday in March, you know? Another fun thing that only I knew about is that I have a little, just like a little, I think it's a, like an end table that I prop my computer on when we record. And I had the felt posters underneath on the felt table, or on, on the end table, the entire time so every time we recorded unbeknownst to you you were on top of your birthday presents oh my gosh that's amazing yeah the level of planning that Paige and Jacob went to was actually astounding they completely pulled it off because I was an utter shock which is hard to do because I'm a creep and I love to track people's locations but I did not and they they pulled it off where's my location right now if I could have your location, I would. I want you to share it with me so bad. Okay. I have nothing to lose, so. And you know that if you disappear, I will be on that shit so fast. Mm-hmm. Emily would solve the case immediately. I would. And I would also have um, your kidnapper behind bars before anyone else even knew you were kidnapped. It makes me think of when I I went on a date with someone we don't need a name because they are no longer relevant. And uh, he took me to Gold Camp Road, which um, for people who are unfamiliar, it's basically like a like a scenic overlook that overlooks the entire city. But the front side of it is a scenic overlook and the back side of it is like mountainy foresty region and my mom called me while we were sitting there at the scenic overlook and she was like I just tracked your location and it says you're in the woods are you okay and I was like oh yeah no we're on gold camp road like we're just we're at we're just 
looking out at the city and she got really quiet and she was like, do you need to say that? If you're in danger, say the word pineapple. And I was like, no, it's fine. Like we plan this. Don't worry about it. Honestly, I love how hard Brenda was going for you. I thought you were going to say that she was like, are you there to hook up? What's someone on SpongeBob that's like make out reef or something? What is it? Ah, uh, make out reef. Good times. Good times. Oh my God. Okay, so we have an exciting announcement finally about the next thing that we're going to do with our patrons. Take it away, Paige. So in April, we are going to do a fun Quiplash event on Discord. Um, for those of you who are unfamiliar, Quiplash is a fun game you can play. Um, all you need is a smartphone. And honestly, you could probably play it with a computer. I can't, I don't see why you wouldn't be able to, but I've always played it with a smartphone. Um, essentially, it's a way that people in all different locations can play together. Um, it's just like almost like a fun Mad Libs-esque game. So the uh, the requirements for this fun patron event. One, you must be a patron or donate to the Quill Utes efforts to move their cultural land to higher ground, which you can find www.mthg.org. Um, just send us proof of a payment and you will be included in the patron list. We also ask that you set up a Discord account, which Discord is just a... most Most people use it for gaming, but... I use it a lot for just interaction with people who live out of state. Um, it's super easy. You just literally just make an account, username, password, and then you also get a four-digit number. Um, but it will be the easiest way that we can all communicate and chat and play a game together. So if you already have an account, please send us on any of our social medias or email or whatever um, your username and the number so that we can add you to a server. Um, if you don't have an account, we request that you make one so that we can chat with you. And again, send us your username and your number. And that's it. <laughs> yes, great job. So that is going to be on April 9th at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. Um, we're mixing up a little bit this time to try to... Um, I can't think of the word, like... Cater? A, yeah, cater or account for different time zones. Um, also, to clarify, you don't need to donate again or, like, whatever. If you've already donated, um, that's totally fine. Or if you've been a patron in the past, but you are not an active one right now, that's fine. We don't care. You gave us money at one point. Um, and also, we're going to be cameras and microphones off at least to start just so that um everyone feels comfortable so don't feel like you have to like come be on video with people that you don't know because we're just going to be in the chat yeah honestly that makes me a little nervous too even even video with people I do know I'm like mm, I'd rather not <laughs> um so I'm I'm on the same boat I'm I love a, a cameras off situation so don't feel alone I am with you I have anxiety Cool. So let us know your discords um, and we'll be tracking you down if you don't. But yeah, just be easier if you could just send it to us and we're looking forward to it. So we had last week off because Paige was embalming human bodies, but we did read chapters 12 through 13 in Eclipse, Time, and what the fuck was the other one? Newborn. Please share your thoughts. Okay, my thoughts for time 
I should like I I'm surprised I don't know why I am but I'm every time it happens I'm surprised that we're still we're still at the level of wait you like me you really like me we I I genuinely thought that you didn't like me girly what boy what I I don't I don't get it I can't I cannot fathom the level of insecurity that both of these people have even though both parties have made it abundantly clear that they're super invested and interested in the other it is insane um but another takeaway from that chapter is Bella doesn't want to be like the other girls and I love that for her um (laughs) well we'll get into it um for newborns interesting story super interesting I I feel like I had heard a little bit about it but I I didn't I didn't have the full story. So finally getting that full story a lot is clear for me. But again, I just have to ask why. Like Stephanie so easily could have just had him be on the north side. Why did he have to be a confederate? So I like I don't understand why. I mean, I do. But I it's just like why? why you know yeah when Paige says she does understand she means that she knows Stephanie's racist but continue um but the the inner that aside the the like inner struggle of the vampire war I did not know that I didn't realize that that was like a whole thing um and that's kind of crazy. Like, what other supernatural beings are having wars just under our noses that we don't even know about? Is the pixie war going on right now and we just don't know? It for sure is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that chapter was super interesting and I did appreciate the backstory of it all. Um, I remember when I was talking long ago with Danny about all the characters and he asked who my favorite was and I think I said Charlie at that point and he was like yeah I really like Emmett and Jasper's cool but like there's so many problematic things about him and I feel like now I finally get it yeah yeah we'll get into it we also have an article a third-party article that we are going to be reading today um so we'll we haven't done this past couple times we've had an article I literally found in our link tree an article from last October, so sorry about that. I'll put it in um, when this episode comes out. All right, chapter 12, time. So it starts out with Alice letting Bella know that she's going to be throwing a graduation party for herself, Edward, and Bella. Why did I forget the third name? The most important one. (laughs) It's a day. Okay. Um so then Bella's like well couldn't you have told me like closer to the party so I didn't have to sit here and think about it and Alice informs Bella that they graduate in a week and it is what is it May 4th yeah oh no June 4th and my note for this was if I still had to be in school in June I would scream and then I realized in high school a couple times I did have to go to summer school because the high school page and I went to, it was basically like if you didn't go to summer school, you would have hell years because you would have to cram like more credits in into like your already schedule, like packed schedule. Because the way that they like set it up is to graduate, you had to have all these certain classes. And like, honestly, 
the only way to make it work sometimes was to take summer school. So I think I took like two years of it and the vibes were the opposite of immaculate. Summer school was miserable. Yeah, I remember the one summer from in between eighth grade and freshman year, we were both in the gym class in the morning and in the computer class at night. Do you remember that computer class being like the worst class that I cried in that class so much? And it was like computer 100. I don't have any like crystal clear memories, but the general vibe around it is very unpleasant. So I feel like I agree with you. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, I also remember one of the years that's when I discovered what are they called? Like softy or softy shorts and I was like this is it this is this is when I turn all the boys onto my side <laughs> I just watched the episode of 1015 last night with Remy where they fucking steal that girl's thong and it was so awful we were like cringing but laughing but cringing it's so funny 1015 is so good but so bad but so good yes exactly uh, so then Bella basically has a meltdown about this because um, she's like, yeah, it turns out I'm not ready to become a vampire, which should be a sign that you should not do it. But whatever. There's a point where I, I think she's talking to Edward. I think it's Edward where she mentions kind of something like, oh, yeah, the timing. I just didn't realize. And he was like, you know, you there's nothing, no one's forcing your hand here. Like, you can wait if you want to. And she's like, no, I can't. I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait. Bella, that's not the reaction. But the the aggressiveness, the loudness of your reaction just shows that you haven't thought this through. Yeah, I feel like Bella has the same approach to becoming a vampire that I have to shaving my legs. When Paige surprised me, on Friday night, I literally got in the shower drunk as hell at like 1.30 a.m. to shave my legs because I was like, I gotta, I gotta do it right now. I can't wait any longer. It's it's one of those things like they they tell you know when you're when you're really mad at someone and then you give it a couple days and then you approach a situation or like you write everything down that you're really mad about and then you like go to bed and then the next day you're you kind of feel better about it. I just feel like Bella hasn't gone to bed yet. Like she's still in the high, like she's just riding that adrenaline. Like every, she, I just don't think that she's really thought about it all. She's just thought about the good stuff and quote unquote good stuff and hasn't really considered everything else. I, not to, not to show my hand, but like, I'm pretty sure that she, I think she becomes a vampire at some point. I could be wrong, but I feel like I remember there being a point where she had vampire eyes in like one of the 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 things with Kristen Stewart. And I mean, maybe that was just editing, but I just always assumed it meant that she had vampire stuff going on. Um, so I think that maybe she becomes a vampire. How does she deal with the 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 everything that happens after that. You know, like I'm I'm trying to think in my own mind if I became immortal right now. What would my parents think? Like when I'm supposed to be celebrating like my 35th birthday and I still look like this? Like 
I don't know what the time frame of any of these books are. I don't, I don't know. And honestly, I don't even know if she gets turned into a vampire. I just thought that that's what happened. Maybe she doesn't, but I'm just like, if she does, I already know her judgment isn't super great at this point. What is she going to tell Charlie? He deserves better. Yep. All valid concerns. (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) So. Her and Edward get to talking about it. And Bella reiterates that she feels like she has to do it right now because she's in so much danger from all the things that are happening with Volturi and Victoria and this random person who stole her clothes. And... I do like that Edward, bottom of page 271, he says, like, not until you're ready and definitely not while you feel threatened. I don't know. I like that. Yeah, that's, I mean, even in regular terms, that's called duress. And you can't sign contracts when you're under duress. You have to be of a sound mind. That's, like, why annulments exist, because you can't legally sign a contract or make a decision like that if you if your brain isn't in the right space and if you feel threatened or, or coerced you legally like things like that just are null basically they don't count so he is making a very valid point in this which begs the question would a people on love is blind just get an annulment i don't think so i like you have to genuinely be like I mean, I only kind of know it in Catholic terms, but you have to, like, be drunk when you get married or you have to be, like, forced to get married. They all kind of, like, had the choice to back out at a lot of times, and they still, some of them still said yes, you know. Counterpoint, I did see on a Reddit AMA, which was, like, may or may not have been actually a crew member. I already told Paige about this. But they were saying, like, they get bonuses if they make it to the altar. So even if they do want to say no, they just try to make it there. But I guess that's not the same as, like, they don't get a bonus if they say yes. Yeah, and also no one's forcing them to accept the bonus. True. But that is coercion, a little bit. Anyway, it doesn't matter. A little bit. But I think I think in the 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 def like the strictest definition of the word, no one made them say yes. Like they could have said no. The possibility was there for them to say no. Gotcha. Okay. Um, we were gonna have. I was actually planning on having a whole love is blind discussion with you on air, but then we did it in person because we saw each other. So listeners, if you watch season two of Love Is Blind US, please. Let me know of your, your thoughts. Let Paige and I know of your thoughts. I know there's um, some versions in other countries. I haven't watched those yet, but. We have so many thoughts. We we express those thoughts so loudly. So, so loudly. At Shake. It's just, you know, no spoilers, but our reactions were loud. And I'll just leave it at that. Exactly. So we want to hear your thoughts. Hit us up. Back to Edward and Bella. They have that corny thing that Paige already mentioned where Bella's like, um, like, you don't want me to be immortal because you don't want to get stuck with me. And then Edward's like, 
no, of course not. I love you. I just don't want to take your soul. Then Edward's like, you don't want to get married to me because you want to just become an immortal and then run off and do your own thing. And Bella's like, no, of course not. It's only because I want to be with you, blah, blah, blah. I One note. This is so corny. I want to die. That's all. Yeah, it, it it's it's super corny. And like I said, why are we still beating around this bush? There have been three books now. And I mean, granted, New Moon was a lot less Edward. But like, if if I'm, if my partner was this emphatic about me now, I am an insecure person and I also love verbal validation, but I feel like I would be validated for all of the like, like neck kissing and breath inhale. I don't know. I just think that like, at least with words of affirmation, that has been a lot in this. And I'm still genuinely shocked that either person in this relationship is questioning the other. Absolutely. It's getting tired. It's giving old news. Um, Go ahead and share your thoughts on Bella being in italics, that girl. I want to, I want to read it. Okay. Let me find it. I know it's at the bottom of a page. Yeah, 275. Okay. Okay. We're at the bottom of page 275, if you'd like to follow along. I'm not that girl, Edward. The one who gets married right out of high school, like some small-town hick who got knocked up by her boyfriend. Do you know what people would think? Do you realize what century this is? People don't just get married at 18. Not smart people. Not responsible, mature people. I wasn't going to be that girl. That's not who I am. I trailed off losing steam. I got I have many points. One, as a recovering pick me girl, it's just not the vibe. It's not a good look. I know Bella's 19, so she has some learning to do. But just know, Bella, it's not a good look. It's not going to age well. Didn't age well. Two, what will people think? People are already thinking. People already have been thinking. We've, we talked about this in Twilight. You literally show up together in the same car. People are already thinking. And you're not even doing that. But they're thinking it. So, like, like people are already probably assuming at this point that you guys are going to end up together. We all had those couples in high school who just, we all just figured they are going to get married. And, like, some of them did. And it's not surprising. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, I, it's not, it wouldn't be me. But, like, that's some people's choice. And it's okay. Like, I'm just telling you that they're already thinking it. So it's it's not that bad. And also, like, you're not knocked up yet. So, like, <laughs> like you, you just guys, you guys just love each other. Like, who's to say you can't get married after high school? Who's stopping you? It's not like, it's not like you have a re, like, you guys love each other, you know? Like, I, it, it made me kind of like, I don't know. I feel like she was like kind of hating on gals who have kids early I don't know it just kind of bummed me out a little bit but like I all I want to say is people are already thinking it so why not just have a good time and I know that Bella has her own reasons why she doesn't want to get married and I feel like she's not being honest with Edward about that like I feel like if she had said like hey you know my parents got divorced it really fucked me up 
and it really made me doubt the validity of marriage and you know what I haven't I haven't even seen a happy married couple in my life because my parents set that example for me and I know that you have Carlisle and Esme but that's not what I had in my experience so I feel really hesitant about that she could be honest with him why did why isn't she saying that you know she told us or she told herself you know 100% agree with all of that also fourth point She's the one who keeps saying, like, I will never be able to see my friends again once I become a vampire. I will never be able to see my family again once I become a vampire. I'm like, okay, then why do you care? You're literally, it's going to be bigger goss that you vanished off the face of the earth than you got married. Yeah, it's, it's definitely true. And also, like, like, it will... It'll be goss, but it, like I said, it won't be surprising. Like, no one is going to be shocked about it. Like, people are probably going to be like, oh, did you hear Bella and Edward got married? But, like, there's a couple that, I mean, the the boy didn't go to our high school. But um, I th- the first girl that I can think of in our class who got married, it was hot goss for, like, the first week that she got married. And I have not thought about her since for, like, three years until I'm just now talking about her right now. Like, it'll be hot goss for a sec, but people will forget. I promise you. I literally don't even know what you're talking about. She got married right out? She got, I think she was the first person in our class to get married. That tells you how much I pay attention. But that (laughs) emphasizes Paige's point, that it does not matter. And it's anti-feminist. She is being very misogynistic here. Yeah. So... Yeah, it was just kind of like I I am very more critical of Pick Me Girls as one myself. Or, I mean, I don't know if you ever grow out of it. I'm I'm trying to work past that. But I will judge. I will judge. Because you know what? I will judge myself and I deserve it. So it's all equal. <laughs> That's so funny. I wonder if there's an opposite to Pick Me Girls. Like, don't Pick Me Girls. I feel like that would be me. <laughs> Not saying it's good. It's also bad. It just, like, exudes, please do not talk to me energy. hmm hmm Anyways. Okay. So, Edward and Bella do not come to an agreement on this in any way. Um, Edward tries to be like, well, I'm from a different time where we got married younger. And Bella's like, okay, but this is 2009. Which, she has a point. It's like when your parents say something racist and I'm like, but that's the way that I was raised. And it's like, yeah. And guess what? I was raised with Neopets and now Flash is dead. So we all make changes. Okay. Like you can figure it out. It's not that time anymore. Right. There are people on this planet where when they were kids, smoking cigarettes was considered healthy. I'm just saying adaptation is important. Yeah, it is. It is in so many ways. I like that she is picturing herself in an olden time, like, getting married, and then she's like, no, that's just Anne of Green Gables. That did make me laugh. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the next day, Bella reads this long article in the newspaper about what's going on in Seattle. And basically, the writer of the article is theorizing that it has to be more than one person because if it's not, this would make the, like what's happened in Seattle, the most like prolific serial killer of all time. 
And also they're just saying like, there's no MO, like there's a little bit of MO in like how the crimes are committed, but there's no MO in picking victims. I got really curious about this actually on page 280. Um, I'll just read a little section of it. Another similarity that points to the possibility of a serial. Every crime is perfectly clean of evidence aside from the remains themselves. Not a fingerprint, not a tire tread mark, nor a foreign hair is left behind. There have been no sightings of any suspect in the disappearances. I got curious because I was like, do um, vampires have fingerprints? And basically I looked it up within the context of Twilight lore and there was no like consensus. Like Stephanie Meyer hasn't come out and said like they don't, but the general agreement was probably not for various reasons. Like um, they don't produce oil that would leave fingerprints on things. One person said that, I don't know if this is true and I did absolutely no follow-up research, but I thought it was interesting. One person said, um, like fingerprints are technically scars, so they would be erased when you become a vampire because like all scars are erased. Again, I don't know if that's true, but I thought it was cool. I was literally on Reddit. <laughs> I mean, I there's a meme where it's like, I don't know enough about blank to say that you're I don't I don't believe it, but I don't know enough about blank to say that you're wrong. That's how I feel. Like I don't think that that's true, but I also don't know enough about it to make a conclusive statement like aren't you born with fingerprints yeah (laughs) I don't know I don't know basically for various reasons due to science I don't think that they do I was just curious about that I my thought is that they have the ridges to produce a fingerprint but because they do not that since they are quote unquote dead, they don't produce, like you said, they don't produce oil, which is what is left at a fingerprint is the oil in the mark that, or in the shape that your fingerprint is. So they wouldn't, they have, they physically have the print or the shape of the print, but they have no way of actually leaving the print. Yeah, that sounds legit. And you know more about human bodies and dead people than I do. So to me, your word is law. Moving on. Thank you. Um, okay, so other main points from this article. Um, like, they're burning all the victims. Um, they're disappearing. They're all disappearing at night. And it's getting worse. Um, so six were committed. In, six homicides were committed in the first month. 11 in the second month. 22 in the last 10 days alone. Um So, yeah, really horrible things going on here. Can you imagine what the police force must be doing right now in Seattle at this time? Like, I imagine they're like that scene in SpongeBob where it's in SpongeBob's brain and everything is on fire and everyone is running around. Like, if this, because they don't have any idea of what this really is, this would be absolutely terrifying. Like, they would be like, we are in over our heads here. And I feel like Seattle is a big city. They probably have a decent, at least, homicide squad. And, you know, once it started, maybe they had more people come in. But, like, at this point, like, this is unprecedented. This would be terrifying as a professional, you know? Totally. Yeah. I don't like to think about it. (sighs) 
So Edward comes in as Bella's finishing reading this article and she's obviously very upset. And so her and Edward start talking about it. At the top of page 282, Edward says, I hadn't seen today's news yet, but I knew it was getting worse. We're going to have to do something, dot, 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 quickly. I'm like, this is like the fifth time y'all have said that? Choppity chop. These are real humans we are talking about. And you all can't say we don't care about human lives because, one, Carlisle is a literal doctor. He's made his entire life about saving human lives because it's important. And two, you all care about Bella now. And who is she? She's just a regular human that just so happened to fall into this whole storyline like Bella like everyone who's dying is just someone else's Bella you know totally that's such a great way to put it yeah Mm -hmm. and a little I think it's I think it's in this chapter where um they kind of deduce that it's they're this army is being created probably to face the Cullens because they're the biggest coven and like the only people who would be there to respond to that. So like all of this is happening probably because of, not because of, but like they're not doing it, but in response to you all. So like if you're concerned and you want it to stop, then Let's take some initiative. Yeah. Let's stop talking and start doing something. Mm-hmm. So Edward says that Alice is not able to really see anything about what would happen if they would go to Seattle. He thinks it's because she, like, they're not actually going to go until she sees something. So it's like kind of chicken and egg. But later on, they theorize that someone, like, knows how her visions work and is, like, exploiting that. But we'll get to that in a bit. So then Edward says, let's go talk to Jasper, because as he has mentioned before, Jasper has particular knowledge in vampire fighting. So they get to the Cullen's house. Emmett does not give a fuck about anything. (laughs) Let's go now. I'm dead bored. Get out of here. (laughs) He's had, I mean, when did he get turned? Like, probably like the 30s or the 40s. He's been bored for like 70 years. Aside from probably all the boning he's been doing. Yeah, true. Um, Rosalie made me laugh, too, when she he says that, and she, like, hisses from upstairs. I'm like, oh, my God. Goals. Mm-hmm. It's like when, um, when you're trying to figure out where to go to eat, and Danny slash Jacob is like, well, I'm just really in the mood for blah, blah, blah. And you're like, are you? Mm, no, we're not doing that. But, like, a much larger scale. Yes, definitely. Okay, so then Edward reads Jasper's mind and says something along the lines of, like, oh, I didn't think of that. And everyone else is like, think of what? Because we can't all read minds. And then Jasper says, well, before I get into that, like, Bella needs to know my backstory. And... So, yeah, basically he starts to tell it. Um, First, before he starts, he exposes to Bella something that she never noticed before, which is that he's, like, basically covered in vampire bite scars. And then that's the end of that chapter because it ends kind of a kind of cliffhangery. Bella says, and then I gasped, staring up at him. Jasper, what happened to you? 
Okay, so moving on to chapter 13. Um, yeah, this is basically the majority of this chapter is Jasper telling his backstory. So I guess I'll just go over once again the highlights of this bullshit. And then we'll talk about the article that we wanted to talk about. Jasper gives backstory on these vampire wars. And he explains that in quote unquote the South, whatever the fuck that means, vampires fight over control of the largest cities so that they can basically feed without having to be nomads because people, vampires in the North are more likely to be nomads because if they start killing too many people in one area, they will attract attention. They're not allowed to do that because of Volturi. So anyways, in the South, it's just been like an end ending war for centuries, according to Jasper. Can I, can I say something? Yeah. I don't know if this is necessarily what Stephanie was getting at. Um, but the way that I interpreted that whole thing, because they talk about Mexico specifically, um, and a lot of wars in Mexico. So when I read South, first I thought like the North and South of the United States, but then they brought Mexico into it, which before even like the Confederate war thing. So I was like, oh, he, he literally means like South, like physically on a map South. So then the more I thought about it, I was like, I feel like they probably, at least Stephanie probably was insinuating like maybe Central America or even South America. And then that made me a little upset because I feel like it just belittled or dehumanized the lives of Central Americans, South Americans as just quote unquote fodder in this war and to the vampires like we've already seen so much of just white people in general white Americans maybe specifically being better than everyone else and held on at a higher prestige level than those of color Specifically, I mean, we can look at the Quileutes, we can look at Laurent, literally the, like, the only other person of color in this book. Um, but now we're incorporating, like, an entire, con to, I don't know if Central America is considered a continent, but, like, pretty much, like, two huge areas of land that are filled with people of color who are not white people, that Stephanie's kind of insinuating that they're just... They're just pawns in this war. They're just people to feed off of and not really kind of referring to them even as humans. I don't know. It just rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, you beat me to it. I was going to I have a lot of talking points on that. Um, not only are the humans pawns, but she villainizes. Notice that every villain, quote unquote, in this chapter has a Latin name. Maria Benito. Okay. So she's making, quote unquote, Southern vampires evil. And she is making, like, people who live in these areas disposable. Um, so as if we didn't have already enough indigenous racism against indigenous people and black people. Now we got to mix in some Hispanic Latin racism because, you know, we just weren't re reaching our quota. 
And also, at one point, Jasper says, the fighting got so bad that your histories, meaning human histories, blame an epidemic on it. Here's the thing about epidemics down there. They were almost always caused by white invaders. So basically, this is Stephanie erasing what white people did to residents of Central and South America by just being like, oh, no, it was just vampires. They just blamed it on an epidemic. No, they literally brought smallpox-covered blankets to these people deliberately on purpose. I didn't even think about that. That is very, very fucked up. There is such a... And I mean, we'll talk about it even more in this chapter, but there is such a rich history of Stephanie erasing real things and implanting her own truth into them um, for her own for for the for the story. I don't know for, to, to to make her story better. And it's like, no, that actually did happen to real people. Or these are real people that you're talking about. These are real histories that you're just fictionalizing. You know, if this was happening to your history, your meaning Stephanie's, maybe you would have a different attitude and tone about it. But because this isn't directly affecting you, it's okay. It's just kind of on theme with how this has previously gone yeah totally and to me there's no way that this could be arbitrary and that she's like the north is civilized and the south is uncivilized like that is literally calling out people who live in hispanic speaking countries like there's no way that you could be like oh well maybe she meant australia no she didn't like it's very clear and even if she did mean Australia that would also be rude because they also have a rich tradition like indigenous tradition there but that's the side point but anyway and uh like you said very purposeful the fact that she put Jasper in the confederate side was also very purposeful I don't under like I like we've already I've already talked about this I do know why but she didn't have to do that she did it. She chose to do that. And she chose to do that for a reason. To erase what is the truth and implant her own storyline into it and diminish what was really going on. Yeah, I would even argue that she's not actually trying to erase it, which is kind of what the article that we read was talking about. But we can get into that in a second. Um just to kind of catch up to where we are in the story. Um, so Jasper gets turned amidst these wars. He is the youngest Confederate soldier or whatever the fuck. Confederate officer. I don't give a shit. He lies about his age. He's 17, blah, 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 whatever. A woman named Maria ends up turning him and then uses him kind of. We've heard about Maria previous to this in Midnight Sun just a little bit, but Basically, she uses him as her, like, partner in battle, and he trains the newborns that they create so that they can be, like, more of a strong army because they're picked out deliberately and trained deliberately and destroyed when they're no longer usable. So it sounds like about year three 
is the kind of their max. So I think this is a good time to open up this article. So basically, okay, so this article is called The Hidden White Supremacist Backstory in Twilight. It's by a writer named Bethany Gemmel, and it's on the media it's on medium.com, but like I said, we'll link it in our link tree. Basically, Bethany is saying that, like, and this is kind of what I was getting at in response to you, Paige, that Stephanie's almost like romanticizing the antebellum thing. Like, I almost feel like she wanted Jasper to appear like chivalrous and gentlemanly, like an old Southern gentleman and like almost sexy in a way. But by doing that, she is like enforcing like what she calls the lost cause of the Confederacy, which I'm thinking is probably a term that's in other literature too. It was the first time I had heard of it, but okay. So I'm going to read a few things from this. Okay. According to the official Twilight Wiki and also the chapter that we just read, Hale joined the Confederacy before the age of 17. While conscription was known to occur during the American Civil War and the Confederacy, they were for those deemed to be legal adult men over the age of 18. If conscription had occurred in this instance, it may be easier, although not concrete, to argue that Hale was not aware of the Confederacy's inseparable ties to preserving slavery. Instead, Meyer's characterization concluded that he was so passionate about upholding white supremacy and the brutalities of bondage that he lied about his age to join the Confederate cause. I mean, there's really no arguing with that. Like, he was excited to fight. It's not about just like, oh, I want to be in, in the military. Like, that's a thing, but not when this is the war that's going on. Like, you want to be in the military to fight for this thing. Um, and I'm going to let you talk, Paige, I swear, but I just want to um, define the lost cause of the Confederacy really quick, since I already brought it up. Okay. More likely, Meyer subscribes to the ideal ideology of the lost cause of the Confederacy. Um, and it's described by Adam, historian Adam H. Dombey as a series of, quote, selective remembering, targeted focus, exaggeration, and outright lies, end quote, surrounding the role of the Confederacy. Basically, it's the argument about states' rights. Like, the Civil War was fought over the southern states' rights to do what they wanted, not about slavery. And um, Bethany does a great job in this article of explaining, like, no, that had absolutely, like, nothing to do with it. It was, like, in the Confederate Constitution that they wrote about this when they formed, like, we are preserving slavery and stopping anyone who, or, like, fighting anyone who tries to stop us. Okay, go ahead. I, I'm going to add on top of that, because this part of the article ties even into, um, was it the last time we recorded when um, we did all of that outside research on the Quileutes, or was that two times ago? I don't remember. Whatever, whichever episode that was, if it was last episode or the episode before. But I literally saw this when I was doing my research. So the article reads, this may seem like a rather crude argument to make, that a throwaway line in a teen vampire fantasy holds any cultural or racial bearings in the real world of 2020. Twilight fandom discourse, however, exemplifies the influence of Meyer's misuse of history. Slavery was like less than 10% of the reason behind the Civil War, one Twilight fan forum user wrote. The Confederacy were just wanting to govern themselves, which is what our founding fathers had in mind when they wrote the Constitution. I don't think Jasper was racist, another fan wrote. 
He, like a lot of Southerners, felt unappreciated and wanted to be their own country. They continued, pointing towards Southern taxation as justification. When I was doing research on just the Quileute history, like real Quileute history and if what um, Stephanie wrote about in Legends was accurate or not, the comment section of one of the articles I read was filled with crap like this. Like, just because she's she's making up like, just because she's writing a story doesn't make her racist. Like, yeah, I would love to have my culture show, like, even if it was, even if it wasn't real, I would love to have it written this way. Or Stephanie isn't racist because she's exaggerating things. Like, it's just a fictional story. It doesn't mean anything. But it's like, yeah, it doesn't mean anything to you because you're not affected by this. The, clearly you're, you're being affected by the false narrative that Stephanie is writing, you know, pe real people were affected by the Civil War, real people were affected by slavery, real people were affected by the false narrative that was written about the Quileutes. Making these false statements and building up these false stories just hurts people. It, like, just because it's bettering the author and making a fun story doesn't make it okay or right. Like, we talk about this all the time, we're allowed to like things and like art and like stories, but if we like it, we should also hold a critical lens to what we're reading and at least understand the implications of those things that we are reading. Exactly, exactly. And when you have comment threads like this or when people allow this to kind of dominate their their beliefs about history or certain subjects or other people that are different from them in some way, that creates, I mean, not to get into it, but that's, that creates like an echo chamber. And that's how things like how bipartisan our country is happens. Like, and by our country, I mean the United States. And I know that there's a lot of like rising nationalism across the world right now. Um, obviously, a democratic country is getting bombed and attacked for no fucking reason. I mean, it's just, we could go on about this forever, but... I did want to read one more thing. I just want to emphasize what I think Stephanie is doing here. Because, okay, let me just read it and then I'll, I'll say. Hale's char charismatic Southern gent Demeter in Twilight's canon is part and parcel of the glorification of antebellum culture. That bondage created a peaceful social hierarchy of racial harmony where African Americans knew their quote-unquote place. The co coerced industrialization of the American South and its subsequent loss of antebellum culture meant that characters like Hale could no longer exist. A, new two, a near 200-year-old vampire, Hale is depicted as a survivor of a lost form of civilization that Meyer and many anti-Black racists throughout history appear nostalgic for. That's what Stephanie is doing, in my opinion. She is like... I mean, I already said she's nostalgic for this quote-unquote Southern gent thing, but you can't have that and not have it be representative of all the things that that time period was. And Paige and I are not going to live in an echo chamber. I, having been on Tumblr a time or two myself in the Twilight fandom, I know that there are a lot of Jasper stands out there. I'm sorry. I'm not. I can't just pretend like oh, it's not his fault that he was, like, painted as a confederate. Okay, well, he's a fictional character, so I don't know what to tell you. And, like, he's alive right now. He could be doing anything with his money to 
make any kind of difference or change in the effects, the lasting effects, the institutional racism that literally exists today in, I mean, at the time, 2009, but 2021, he could be doing anything to say what I did was so wrong. Let me do the most I can do to to try and at least make an effort to fix what I've done. And he's not like he's not. They have all the money to be spending and he's not. So that in of itself is something to note. Yep, definitely. One more thing to note, it is the year 2022. (laughs) Oh my God, you're right, you're right. (laughs) Uh, Not to make light of this situation. I mean, I think we've made it clear. We're not down though with this. We're not going to be like, oh, but we're Jasper Stans anyway. No, fuck that guy. And also his wig and eclipse is fucking ugly. Not that that matters, but (laughs) I'm just adding it. I think it does matter. (laughs) To kind of close the loop on his story, um, did you remember Peter and Charlotte from Midnight Sun? I have absolutely no memory of them. I'm going to be completely honest. I have no memory of them. Um, Yeah, I'm not surprised. They were very briefly mentioned in Midnight Sun because it's like kind of right after Edward realizes he's in love with Bella and they come to visit Jasper and they promise they won't hunt in the area, but Edward's still, like, super paranoid and, like, kind of uses it as an excuse to, like, go watch Bella while she sleeps. Oh, good. Glad that they can come full circle to help with that. I know. And they we did meet them briefly because Edward reads their mind and they're both like, that dude's weird. <laughs> okay, maybe I do like them. <laughs> so, anyways, I bring them up because they're kind of the reason that Jasper ends up escaping eventually. So he, Jasper's in charge of um, killing all the newborns that are quote unquote no longer useful. So um, he enlists Peter to help him do that. And one night they're doing it and it turns out Peter's in love with one of them that they're supposed to destroy, Charlotte. So they like run off to escape and Jasper's like, I could have chased them, but I didn't want to. So then he was just miserable He does explain that because of his power, like, he can feel everything his prey is feeling while he kills them, which is horrific. Yeah, I don't envy him in any way. And I mean, I don't know what level of, like, there's always that argument, I feel like, especially for, like, Nazis and that, like, oh, but they're just following orders, like, this and that. Like, I I don't know what level of commitment jasper had to this cause like i i don't know i don't know i don't know how he felt about all that killing because he still did it facts such a good point okay so as jasper is being miserable and whatnot peter shows up and is like come with me like you don't have to live this way if we go north again problematic we can like live peacefully there's not wars and stuff so jasper goes with him and he lives with them for a few years, Peter and Charlotte, but he's still miserable because he's still killing humans. And then he wanders off on his own, and that's when he ends up meeting Alice. This would be literally so jarring. I'm going to read it, page 301. I was in Philadelphia. There was a storm, and I was out during the day, blah, blah, blah. I ducked into a little half-empty diner. She was there expecting me, naturally. She hopped down from the high stool at the counter as soon as I walked in and came directly toward me. 
It shocked me. I was not sure if she meant to attack. That's the only interpretation of her behavior my past had to offer. But she was smiling, and the emotions that were emanating from her were like nothing I'd ever felt before. You've kept me waiting a long time, she said. I can't believe that Jasper's just like, sorry. I'd be like, who the fuck are you? What is this? I'm picturing that I am eating a Denver omelet right now at the bar, drinking a piping hot cup of coffee. And all of this is happening at the booth behind me. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Because they're doing this in a public place. It's not like they're like alone. They're in a diner. Yeah, he does say half empty, which means not full empty. There's people there. There's the employees. I'm I'm flow right now. I I make minimum wage. If that, I probably don't make minimum wage. I make tips, and I hate my job. But you know what? I have to I have to pay rent so that. Or I have to save up money so I can move out of my mom's house. And you know what? I smoke a pack a day. But you know what? We all have our vices. Don't fucking judge me. And I'm pouring Hank a cup of coffee. And these two, they look like unhinged people are having a reunion, question mark, but are also meeting each other for the first time, question mark, at the bar. Not today. I don't have the energy for this. I do not. I don't make enough money for this. Go take this outside. (laughs) I mean, you nailed it, as always. (laughs) Thank you. I'm a character actor. I know you are. Um, I do have kind of a serious question for you. I don't know. I'm just, this is more of a discussion topic. More. I don't really care. (laughs) But do you think that Jasper was robbed of choice for his future? By Alice basically saying, like, I saw you. I'm assuming she tells him I saw you in a vision the second I opened my eyes as a vampire and knew I was going to find you. I. I'm going to say I'm going to say no, because it seems like she had no. no bias or nothing to go off of except that like to me those visions are purely the future that like nothing was influenced by that but the future like the other visions that Alice gets Like, there's moving parts, you know, people are making choices here and there. Like, she just woke up and that was already in motion. So, I, to me, it seems like there was, it was unavoidable. Like, if she was already seeing these visions, it was, I mean, I guess she could, she could have said no and moved along. But, in my mind, it's unavoidable. And, like, I know Alice, she's she had absolutely no memories or any, she had no idea what was going on. That was all she had. So she was just doing that too. And I mean, they're both super happy and are glad to have each other. I don't feel like there's any level of regret in either of them. So I don't think that he was robbed, but I could see how that might be interpreted. Yeah, I agree. 
I just, it, it occurred to me while I was reading, I was like, I guess he didn't really have a choice. So I just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on that. I mean, he could have said no and just kept on moving, but. But she would have seen that, you know, yeah. like she would have. And like I said, like her side of things were not influ. If she woke up and immediately she saw them together. The only person to have been doing things to affect that future would be Jasper. That's true. That's a good point. You know, so I, I, I would say I would say no for that. And also no, because they're super happy together and, you know, they balance each other out. They're glad to be together and glad to have found each other. So I think it's OK. Me too, except Alice, don't date a fucking confederate. But besides that. Yeah. But also not besides that, because fuck that. So that's the end of the little backstory section. So now all of the Cullens go into theorizing about what's going on in Seattle. Because Jasper says, like, it's basically what he's seen over and over again. He's like, there has to be a newborn, an army of newborn vampires in Seattle. He says fewer than 20. And he says that they have to destroy them soon. Then Edward brings up the thing that Paige had mentioned earlier where he's like, does it occur to anyone else that the only possible threat in the area that would call for creation of an army is us? And Jasper's kind of like, I don't really get that because it's not like, you know, we're controlling the area, fighting for control of the area. We don't even eat humans. Like, it doesn't, it just doesn't really make sense. And Alice says, you know, because Edward catches sight of something in her visions and he's like, what is that? And she's like, flickers. I can't see a clear picture when I try to see what's going on. Nothing concrete, but I've been getting these strange flashes. And then that's when Edward theorizes that's that someone knows how Alice's visions work and is playing with the holes in her visions. And Alice is like, who? And Edward's like arrow. Cause he has read every thought that's ever been in her mind. So he knows exactly how they work. So then Rosalie, this is like such a little roundtable conversation. Rosalie theorizes that the Volturi is basically using a hitman to create this newborn army to come after the Colons so that they can destroy the Colons. And then the Volturi will come and destroy the hitman and the army, what she calls a double betrayal. Or somebody calls it that. Um and Carlisle thinks that that's insane, and so does Jasper, because they both really respect the Volturi. They're like, why would they do that? And Edward says, it like, it was there in the back of Edward's, or in the back of Arrow's mind about how, like, we're the biggest coven besides his own. We have very talented members. Like, he's jealous of you, Carlisle, basically. I'm going to let you weigh in on this. I'm just trying to um, wrap this up. Jasper basically is like, no, that's not possible. He says, no, Carlisle is right. The Volturi do not break rules. Besides, it's much too sloppy. This person, this threat, they have no idea what they're doing. A first-timer, I'd swear to it. So then they all agree that Jasper needs to teach them all how to fight these newborn vampires. And then they end up calling Tanya's family to ask for help, but that's a whole separate thing. So I do got to ask, what do you think about these theories? Like, what do you think's going on? Just your thoughts. I don't think it's the Volturi because I I do agree with what Jasper says in that um, 
They just, they wouldn't be this sloppy. There's been so much newspaper and media attention for this that they would have put a stop to this immediately. That like they, or they wouldn't have even allowed it to happen this way. So I really don't think it's them. If it is them, why? You know, their whole point is to keep things on the DL. So they're not doing a very good job. I don't think it's them. I think that, I mean, Victoria is still in play. I think that she has something to do with this. If she, I, I feel like she has to be the mastermind um, because, I mean, we don't know anything about her having any kind of backstory with newborns or anything like that. And I think in this chapter, someone mentions like vampires are very particular when their mates are like, they're very vengeful or something like that. Someone makes a point to say like, did Maria's a partner or something someone's spouse or partner gets killed and then the partner of that person is very vengeful about it and someone makes a point does that ring a bell yeah I think it's that like I think Jasper just mentions it in passing like someone's mate would be killed and then that would start a whole new war or whatever blah 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 that made me think like it just brought attention back to that whole thing so to me this just seems more up victoria's alley maybe victoria and the volturi are in it together i don't think so but i can't i can't say no because i've been wrong so many times so i would say more likely victoria than the volturi okay interesting so since you are leaning towards victoria do you think like, in that scenario, would she just not know about the Volturi and, like, the possibility of her being disciplined for what she's doing? Like, how does that work in? I could see Victoria not being stupid. Maybe she knows that this will conjure the attention of the Volturi. I think that, I mean, I feel like she probably knows that they exist. She doesn't seem stupid to me maybe she is trying to get them to come and I mean maybe she maybe she's aware of the whole thing with Bella I don't know how she would know that maybe there is some sort of insider intel on her end because I also think that there has to be another vampire in play because no one recognized the scent of the vampire who went into Bella's room and it was also very calculated and controlled which leads me to think that it's some vampire with a level of experience. So I feel like there's at least some someone else in play that may be helping. I feel like Victoria is somewhat responsible for this whole thing, though, because, like I said, there was that brief mention of the mates thing again. And also in the Quilute story that um about the uh, unnamed third wife like that has been brought up a few times in this book so I I, to me it seems like it has to be coming back to that okay all right I see your rationale we'll see won't we um kind of the last thing in this chapter Carlisle calls up Tanya to see if they'll help them with the situation and it turns out our friend Laurent was canoodling with one of the other ones out there, um, quote unquote sisters, Irina. And now she's fucking pissed because the wolves killed Laurent because he was about to kill Bella. And so they're like, 
okay, we'll help you if you let us kill the wolves. Another example of the partner feeling vengeful. Yeah, good point, good point. And Carlisle's like, um, hard pass. So now they know that they have to do it on their own. What do you think about this Laurent thing? Like, I feel like he always pops up when you're not expecting it. I just don't blame Irina. I really liked Laurent from Twilight. I thought he was very handsome. So I was like, I get it, sister. Like, I'm on your I'm on your side on this. I would also be interested if he was in my coven. Um, I to me it was just like Stephanie needed a reason to make the Collins alone. And in her mind, she was like, well, what about Tanya? She's like, what can I do to make them not want to hang out with the Collins? And Laurent was just a, not he, not that he was even a loose end. He was just there. She's like, I can just, I can just tie this all together. Yeah, totally. I do think it's a little insane that like they're quote unquote, like family to the Collins and that should mean that they give a shit about Bella. <laughs> They're like, nah. <laughs> do they even know about Bella, though, do you think? I feel like that's a good question, but I feel like at this point they have to. Because, I don't know. I feel like they talk enough that they would have known, like, yeah, we had to leave town because Edward broke up with his human girlfriend or whatever, you know, like. Yeah, I bet they maybe made a stop in Alaska when that whole thing was going on. So they probably they probably knew. I just like the thought of like one of them coming down for a visit and Bella's there and they're like, what? And they're like, oh yeah, this is Bella. She's been with us for like two years. <laughs> she's the reason your boyfriend is dead. But she's family. <laughs> I mean, he did try to kill her. So it's like either she died or he died. You know, it kind of had to be one or the other. Yeah, and one of them is the question mark protagonist, and the other one is Laurent. I mean... (laughs) Yep, yep. Did you have anything from this one that we didn't cover? No, we we hit it all. Okay. So for next week, we're going to do two chapters, 14 and 15, Declaration and Wager. What if I was like, okay, so in Declaration... Nick Cage is showing up and he's like, we need to steal the Declaration of Independence. No, no, I'm just kidding. Um, When I hear the word declaration, I think Declaration of Independence. I also think a declaration of war. So to me, this seems like they're probably going to maybe do a little investigation in Seattle or maybe start doing a little digging and find out some kind of information as to why this is going on because because to me everything that was said in this past chapter in regards to the only people that would be against a bunch of vampires or it would be a threat would be us so i really do think that that's sort of the the crux of all of this so i think that they're probably going to find some kind of declaration of war or they're kind of gonna they're kind of gonna stumble upon why maybe this is all happening or they're gonna be like well this is war we're declaring it i don't think it's gonna be that but it could be we'll see and then the other one was which what was the name wager wager hmm maybe wager 
I maybe the the wolves are gonna get pulled into this. Maybe you know I don't see how the wolves wouldn't be in like once we all figure out what's going on. Why the Cullens wouldn't be like we need help and you guys are our only allies? Question mark? Question mark? Question mark? So I could see maybe pulling the wolves into it and having some kind of wager as to like. If if we win, like this or that. If we lose, this or that. Um. So I think I think the wolves are going to be tied into this, into wager at least. Okay, I like it. Um, I will say without spoilers. I know that we've been shitting on this book a lot, and it deserves it. We got one more round of cringe problematic chapters, and it is next. And then once we're through that, I mean, it's still Twig and Twilight, but we <laughs> I don't even know what to say. But after next week, it's all on the downslope, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Okay, I'll take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> okay. All right. So our social medias. I don't remember who did them last time, so I will just do them real quick. As a reminder, send us your Discord username and number if you want to be in on the Quip Blash on April 9th at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. Our email, I'm starting out with email, I'm shaking it up, is TuesdaysAreForTwilight at gmail.com. We are on social media at TaftPod on Twitter, T-A-F-T Pod, and then on Tumblr and Instagram, we're at TuesdaysAreForTwilight. You can support us on Patreon and become part of the Quip Flash at our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Tuesdays are for Twilight. And please always consider supporting the Quileutes in their efforts to move their cultural lands to higher ground. You can find all that information at mthg.org. And as a reminder, if you send us proof of your donation, that will also get you into any patron-specific events. Paige, hit them. This this piece of advice, I never thought I'd be giving it. As someone who never does this, I never thought that this would be it. If anyone ever asks you to fill out a survey or do a review after you have used their product, do it. They may give you a job because of it. And I know that because that happened to me. I am now employed because I sent a negative review to a company and they appreciated my feedback so much that they hired me to edit their material. So now I might get to quit Chipotle. I actually, I'm not that I may, I am 95% sure I will be able to quit working at Chipotle because I told a company, hey, you guys made a lot of mistakes. This was really unprofessional and it really affected my time using your product. And now I work for them. I signed an NDA today and I am going to work for them tomorrow. It is life-changing. So if you, if you if you do, if you do get the opportunity to fill out a survey or review, do it. Because you never know what could happen. <laughs> Two things, absolutely iconic. Second of all, dead that you signed an NDA literally today, and now you're talking about them on a public podcast. I didn't say what it was. I didn't say what the thing was. I just said I used their product. That's true. That's true. It just it was funny juxtaposition for me. Mhm. Mhm. I mean, but I'm not gonna tell you where I work, and I'm not gonna tell you what the thing was. But I'm going to be editing it now. 
Shoot your shot, folks. All the people who I told before, you all know it, and I hadn't signed the NDA yet, so you all lucked out on that. (laughs) All right, friends, we will see you next week for chapters 14 and 15 of Eclipse. Bye! Bye! Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. (laughs) 